Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today on CityCast Denver, how dangerous is dining downtown right now? Westward's food editor Molly Martin caused a stir online with a story about an encounter she had outside a new spot in Ballpark, so I invited her and her editor, Patty Calhoun, to dig into that tricky question. And they'll also report back from a couple other recent dining adventures to the fort and the new El Rancho, too. Today is Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2023. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Patty Calhoun, Molly Martin, welcome back to CityCast Denver. Thanks. Thank you. All right, so I invited you two back on together because I know you've both been on a few dining adventures lately. Um, And specifically, there's one that sparked a bit of conversation online, Molly, I know, from something you wrote. Do you want to lay out the situation so we can catch listeners up and really get into it? Sure, yeah. So I, you know, I dine out all over town on a consistent basis and um, just had uh, an occurrence happen that was just a little bit out of the ordinary for me. I was leaving a place on Larimer Street um, with a box of leftovers in my hand and a man pretty aggressively demanded that I give him the leftovers, which I did. And then he had a bit of a funny reaction when I told him what was in the box, which had happened to me prior at another restaurant. Um, Well, and specifically what she was talking about is in two incidents, both on Larimer Street, in one case, someone didn't want something that was vegan. And in another case, someone didn't want it because it was goat meat (laughs) from a very excellent restaurant, working class. So, you know, I would have taken it. And so when I told the story in our editorial meeting, it got a reaction. And so we decided to run it um, just to spark a conversation, share a bit of what it's like out there. Um, because people, I, and I mentioned this in the story, whenever we post about something opening downtown, we inevitably get comments saying, oh, I don't go downtown, it's dangerous, um, which I you know, I haven't seen it be, I haven't had an experience where I felt in danger, including the one I wrote about. Um, But I think it's an interesting conversation to talk about the the changing downtown scene and and what the reality is like down there for businesses and people going out to eat and and shop and and enjoy downtown Denver. (laughs) Yeah, I I think, uh, I mean, you definitely sparked a conversation. I think that might even be an understatement. I know there there was some blowback from the restaurant and like readers were obviously very engaged on this. Anyone who has gone downtown, they know exactly what you're talking about. Um, But it's that question of like danger and what is danger? Mm -hmm. How did you feel about that when you were approaching the writing about this and just and and thinking about this as as a food reporter? Yeah, I mean, I get frustrated when I hear people saying they won't go downtown. I think there's so many great things happening there, including the businesses that I mentioned in the story. Um, 
new businesses opening and established places that have really helped shape what those neighborhoods are like. Um, and so it's frustrating to me when people say I just will write them off because I will not go downtown. Um, but I do think it's a valid discussion to have of, of how those issues are impacting the businesses and the reputation of downtown Denver and what can be done about it or what what maybe needs to be done about it. Hmm. And, and what's real, because if you're looking at some of the big dangers, Cherry Creek with its carjackings and some violent carjackings certainly has more problems than Larimer Street. Uh, you hear about things over on 7th Avenue. You hear about things on South Broadway. You see things on South Broadway, as I have. So there are issues all over town. Hmm. Let's talk about the neighborhood in particular, because that's something that's new here. This particular neighborhood is changing. And this restaurant that you highlighted is just a couple of blocks away from the rescue mission. Mm -hmm. Patty, I wonder if you can give us the context on this ballpark Lodo area. Well, it's always been where the service industries are for people experiencing homelessness. That hasn't changed. That's always been the case. When we opened Westward in 77, that was an area where, I'm not sure, the Denver Rescue Mission, the Salvation Army, that's where these shelters were. That's where the service industries were. And actually, what's happened is some of them have moved out because the property's gotten so valuable. But I remember when our office was at 18th and Wine Coop, right Right opposite the Wine Coop Brewing Company, which, you know, was one of the first fancier restaurants to move into the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And we would always walk to Mexico City Lounge in this block, the 2100 block of Larimer. And it's, I think, might at this point be the oldest still operating business. It's been there over 50 years and serving great greasy tacos. And I was just back there on Friday. But the difference now is, you know, we used to always walk over people generally 30 years ago, lying on the street in, in front of what was is now Herb's. It was Herb's then, but not quite as nice as it is now. Mm-hmm. And you just, you'd just kind of step right over them and things were fine. And you just have to get used to it. But they were always a little shocked to see four, at the time, younger white women walking <laughs> through their neighborhood. But there's no question, 30 years ago, there wasn't a string of encampments on 21st Street, which there is now, right around the corner from Mexico City Lounge. And the businesses are worried about it, and they're kind of banding together because I'm sure they experience, the businesses probably experience more than we do, just with having to clean things up. If you're just walking through to get lunch, you might get panhandled. Mm -hmm. Someone might ask for your leftovers, although you will never have leftovers leaving Mexico City (laughs) because you have to eat every bite of those tacos. (laughs) Molly, do you want to say a little bit more about, like, this danger factor like when you're when you're thinking about a restaurant like you know there must be readers out there for whom this is a a a very a main concern oh well for sure i mean they're telling us it is um yeah i mean i think you're you're living in a city you know denver's a growing big city so we're gonna have big city problems i i feel like just writing off coming downtown because of that is a little bit overblown. Um, I'm not saying there's not danger, but there, you know, there's danger in any city. Um, I'd say I'd say very overblown, considering you don't just get. I mean, you would go through Lodo and what would become Rhino, the edge of the ballpark neighborhood, after Coors Field baseball games, and you would be harassed too. So there have been other issues at other times when there would be trouble or car break-ins yeah. and things like and I, that. But problems all over the city is newer. 
Hmm. Yeah. And I mentioned in the story, I had a line about, you know, I don't I don't go to Lodo at let out, let's say. I mean, that's a dangerous time as well for a completely different reason. But always has been. Right. Yeah. For the last 30 years. <laughs> so, Patty, you've been the editor of Westford for a long time. You've dealt with this kind of blowback. Do you have any theories about why this issue touches a nerve for people and why it seems to be the volume seems to be turning up? Well, I have to say this wasn't that much blowback by Westward standards. Okay. What is interesting is every time, not specifically about the restaurant, every time we write about downtown, you get a certain narrative. And it doesn't matter where you're talking about downtown. The word downtown seems to get people going, I won't go to Civic Center. I won't go to Larimer Square. I won't go to the mall because it's so dangerous or it's dirty or there's nothing there. And almost every person who says that hasn't been downtown in five years, 10 years, 15 years, because anyone who has been knows that part of downtown is always evolving. I would say in general, it falls into a national narrative about downtown and what's dangerous and what isn't and what Democrats have done and what Republicans have done. And you just fall into it. It doesn't have a lot to do with reality. Um, all right, well, let's move on to something a little bit more fun. Uh, two of the Denver area's Western-themed restaurants. That's how I would describe them. Maybe you two can do a little bit better. But two of these places have hit major milestones recently, and you each visited one. Um, we're talking about The Fort, and we're talking about El Rancho. Molly, how about we start with you in The Fort? What, yeah. what is The Fort, for so people who don't know? The Fort um, sits near Red Rocks in Morrison. I had driven by it a thousand times, as probably many people who have gone to shows at Red Rocks have <laughs> or spent time in Morrison. Um, but I had never been before. It's celebrating its 60th anniversary. Um, so I thought it was a great time to kind of visit it and, and check in with them on what their story is and what their plans are for the future. And um, I, it was a fun time. It felt, I think I said to Patty afterwards, it feels both kind of like a throwback to the old west but also a throwback to old denver like it just felt very kind of stuck in time but in a way that was really fun mm-hmm. um, to experience um yeah. yeah i know what you mean i mean for listeners who aren't, aren't familiar with the fort it's like a recreation of a 18th maybe 19th century 1840s trading fort Dense old fort, which is a real place that did stand Mm -hmm. down in southeastern Colorado. So there's the historical reinterpretation, but then there's like the throwback to the old Denver. And that you're talking about like kitsch, right? Yeah. Like the kitsch factor. Very kitschy. And even the menu itself, you know, with Rocky Mountain oysters and really focused on bison steak and wild game, similar to the Buckhorn Exchange. Um, Yeah. Are those kind of ideas of, of, you know, that was fine dining in what the 70s 80s but denver's food scene has really evolved so much since then that you don't really see menus like that except when you go to these older places that have haven't changed so much over time Mm -hmm. what do you think does the fort hold up at 60 i think it does um i i had an unexpectedly really good time there the bison steak itself was delicious they sell the most bison of any restaurant in america which i thought was a really fun fact about them um it was it was it was one of those places that i think like a casa bonita like you have to experience it once you know to to get a sense of what really makes it interesting and special i i agree the fort (laughs) is so fun patty do you know the fort oh very well so samuel 
Arnold, who started it in the 1960s, actually built it as the replica of Ben's old fort, which was replaced after the first one burned down, but it was in 1840s. It was mm-hmm. rebuilt. And he made it almost a scale model of it, and he moved his family in. So this is a classic Colorado magnificent obsession. He was obsessed with the Old West. Absolutely. He created it, moved in his family, moved in a bear, started researching <laughs> Old West food. So that's one of the reasons the menu is as it is. And he passed, but his daughter runs it now, and they keep all those Old West traditions, and you can have whiskey made with gunpowder. And a lot of this stuff really is authentic to what mountain men would eat. They based a lot of it off historical recipes. They put their own spin on it. And they do add new menu items from time to time. They have a competition twice a year where they the staff cooks up new dishes and new ideas, and they will put some of them on the menu. Um, but I must fully endorse doing the uh, bison bone marrow, so very large oh, yeah. bison bones with that buttery marrow inside. And uh, you eat the marrow out, school all your marrow out and once it's nice and as clean as you can get it but you have some of that glistening grease still in there do your use it as a luge for your gunpowder whiskey shot it was (laughs) (laughs) i can think of a few people who be into that yeah it was uh it was the highlight of the meal (laughs) um all right well patty let's go over to you and el rancho in evergreen what's new at el rancho well so el rancho really is just off i-70 started in 1948, another family opened a restaurant in the place they were living. They built this wooden structure, looked very ski lodge. And remember, in 1948, there was nothing. There wasn't even I-70 then. And uh, people from Milwaukee bought it in 53, turned it into this bigger restaurant, El Rancho. You're talking about 1953? 1953, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm in the wrong century, which often <laughs> hey, happens. These kind of places? In 19, yeah. In 1958, the daughter and her husband of the owners took over, and they turned it into another major tourist destination. They fought when I-70 was going through to have an exit put there named El Rancho. Hmm. And really, in the 70s and the 80s, they were a go-to destination, just like the fort. But they were, um, El Rancho was much more the dining of the day. No one was pushing it as Old West. It was Current West, which, of course, at the time is also steaks and bison and meat and hearty fare. So El Rancho, after the family sold it in 88, went through a series of owners, went downhill, even as the area around it built up so much that you can barely tell there was an El Rancho exit because now it's the Evergreen Parkway. Hmm. Finally closed altogether this past summer, but now it's been taken over by new owners. Its operations are the Bonanno Group. So that's Frank and Jacqueline Bonanno. And they just reopened with a menu that has some old favorites from El Rancho, but also really new things. And if you go into it, it's a completely different Old West, much more, say, 1950s Old West, but it's really, really fun. And what's interesting about, you were talking about reader comments, we've gotten a hundred times as much responses about our El Rancho piece, which I wrote, and I can tell you, really? was People not controversial, than anything else. People really are curious about it. Curious about it. Why do you think that is? I think there's a lot of nostalgia as Denver disappears. And, you know, it's different eras of Denver. It's the 50s. It's the 60s. It's the 70s. It's the 80s. It's the 90s. It's the 2010s. Things are disappearing so fast that people like to grasp on what older things they remember. I mean, Casa Bonita is popular not because it's a fabulous new modern place. Yeah, yeah. So maybe there's something about these Western-themed restaurants that— 
feels like really rooted here in a different way. Right. It's different than, say, a Chuck E. Cheese, which is also giant and older, but not really of the place. You mentioned Frank Bonanno. A couple of other his restaurants around town that people would know, Mizuna, the Green Russell, which closed recently on Larimer Square. But Astrio Marco, Marco is still open on Larimer Square, and they have um, Luca d'Italia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vesper. The Dairy Block. Yeah, they did. Dairy oh, Block. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a big effort up there. So, But he and his wife were up there. I saw Frank. I was there for brunch on Saturday, and he was in his chef outfit. <laughs> um, well, let's, let me bring these two back together. We got two iconic Western restaurants. Molly, is this a trend? Do you think people want more of this? <laughs> I don't think people want more of it, but I think people do want to hang on to what we have. I think, you know, there's always, you know, talk about changing Denver and we're losing old Denver. And so the places that still remain and that want to keep working, you know, to stay relevant in the future or, or get people nostalgic and excited. I don't think you can recreate that in something new. But yeah, to see the Bananos step in at El Rancho and give that new life um, and talking to Holly, who runs the fort now. And, you know, she she's looking forward to another 60 years of the fort and has plans for its future. Um, I think that's really comforting for a lot of people to know that those places will stick around. And you want to celebrate what's old and good. So is El Rancho still good? It was great. Bananas did a good <laughs> but it's, job? A, it's very different. What, from what we had heard, it had gone extremely downhill, closed. I mean, it's probably gone through five owners since its heyday, but it's back. Well, the fort, I know, is celebrating their 60th this Friday with a big party if you want to head down. And uh, El Rancho, I assume, is open for Just reopened for dinner and a happy hour and brunch now. All right, there you go. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. The Denver Public Library. After a three-week closure that had nothing to do with meth and everything to do with their ongoing renovations, the beautiful downtown central branch is reopening today. Denverite reports that the long-term renovations are still ongoing, so access to services is still limited. The most important change... They've moved the temporary entrance to the west side of the building across from the art museum. And finally, CityCast is hiring. We're looking for a senior account executive, someone right here in the Denver community, to join our revenue team and take our ad sales to the next level. Do you know someone who might be a good fit? We'll have a link to that job description in our show notes. You can also find it online at denver.citycast.fm. And that's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Frank and Jacqueline Bonanno about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. See you then.